0: Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. we got so much to cover tonight. I'm going to jump right into this big news coming out of Bismarck today. The legislature passed funding for the Theodore Roosevelt Library in Medora. And then by just God's timing, earlier today I was fortunate enough to have the, the premier Theodore Roosevelt impersonator, historian. He performs in Medora every summer, at least for a lot of summers. He was in studio today. We talked about what this library really means for uh, the Theodore Roosevelt legacy. It is a fascinating conversation, considering what took place today in Bismarck, and to have this gentleman right here in studio. I'm going to get to something else in Minnesota in a moment, but I just literally got off the phone with producer Josh. So producer Josh tonight was there to record this. Went to this uh, beer for socialists event. We wanted to go there and sit down and visit with some socialists, get them on camera, have a conversation. So Josh shows up, and wait till you hear this, folks. These are people that talk about. We want inclusion, we want to be loving, we want to have diversity. So the woman there that apparently is a lobbyist for the Human Rights Coalition, Andrea Denault, hopefully I'm getting her name correctly, kicks producer Josh out of this event, Sosa's for beer and says, do you know who this is? Do you know who he works for? We stand with Ruth Buffalo, producer Josh, you are kicked out of a public event Because apparently they don't really love diversity. Apparently they don't want diversity of thought. That is the quick snippet I have there because I had 60 seconds to get the lowdown from producer Josh. We'll have more for you hopefully tomorrow night on the love and inclusion that all these people talk about but never practice. All right, let's talk about this as well. In the land of 10,000 taxes, meaning Minnesota, Incredible report comes out today from the Governor Walz's own Department of Revenue. They did a study on Governor Walz's tax plan, and I've been telling you this now for months. Look, the worst thing about gas taxes is it hurts the poorest people the most. If you're making 20 grand a year and someone puts a gas tax on you, that hurts your disposable income. But if you're someone who's knocking down a hundo 200 grand a year and they put a 10 cent, 20 cent gas tax on, You don't really care it doesn't impact your disposable income so what the his own department of revenue found out that governor wallace's tax plan actually hurts the poorest minnesotans the most it's going to have the most dramatic impact negative impact if you will on the poorest minnesotans earlier today we sat down with the chairman of the minnesota senate tax committee uh, roger chamberlain to find out what's going on here no one's a a proponent of this so why is governor wallace putting this plan out there Also, the GOP did release their own tax plan today. He gave us the quick breakdown on that as well. Chairman Chamberlain, welcome to Point of View. I always uh, appreciate your time. And shocking study comes out out of Governor Walz's own Department of Revenue showing that his tax plan actually hurts the poorest Minnesotans the most. What's going on here?
1: (laughs) What's going on is $12 billion of tax increase proposals uh, the income taxes on businesses from the conformity legislation from the federal government, uh, transportation taxes across the board, gas taxes, motor vehicle sales taxes, registration fees. Uh, he's uh, also uh, proposing allowing counties uh, to uh, charge an additional tax for transportation on top of uh, letting the provider tax continue. So all those taxes total, on THE HOUSE PROPOSAL PLUS THE FAMILY LEAVE, uh, PAYROLL uh, uh, DEDUCTION, ALL THOSE TAXES TOTAL ABOUT $12 BILLION OVER FOUR YEARS WHEN THEY'RE UP AND RUNNING. SO THE
0: OBVIOUS QUESTION IS WHY. MINNESOTA CHAMBER COMES OUT WITH A RECENT POLL THAT SHOWS THE NUMBERS ARE NOT GOOD. THERE'S NOT A MAJORITY OF MINNESOTANS THAT SUPPORT THE GAS tax ACROSS THE ENTIRE STATE. THEY'RE AGAINST uh, BUSINESS TAXES. SO WHAT'S GOVERNOR WALLS UP TO?
1: Well, you're right. So this poll that was just released uh, late last week, early uh, Monday, maybe this Monday or late last week, mirrors a poll results we got last October, September from a different organization that uh, 65% of Minnesotans across this state oppose all these taxes. There's not one they support, they oppose the tax increases across the board. Uh, no, you have different, uh, you have variability in regions, but even in the metro area, 50% of the citizens oppose the transportation taxes. You go outstate, that's 70% of Minnesotans oppose all of these taxes, so transportation be- provider income taxes, family leave taxes.
0: He's a politician, he knows it's about votes. Why is he doing this if it's so unpopular?
1: I can't get inside his head. Uh, pre- pre- presumably he believes that taking and shaking down Minnesotans for more cash to, uh, you know, frankly dump in the coffers to get other people rich and fat and happy is uh, a good politics. But there's little that they do up here. There, We need government, but we need good government. We need affordable, accountable government. And these ideas have no affordability or accountability attached to them. These tax proposals, if they get even half of them, Chris, will ruin this state. We so, cannot afford this. We don't have enough people to work. Our businesses are laying people off. Our job growth was dead last in the country last month's report from DEED. Dead last. Wow. still have a growing economy. So explain that. Our, our income tax collections were down almost a half a billion dollars in the same period. So- Wait, wait, some of l- l- just,
0: just, the, just for clarity, sir, because you guys yeah. have now got, I like, think, what is it? The second or third highest tax on the quote unquote rich people in the country. And you're telling me that the income revenues were down dramatically when I didn't hear that.
1: Just the last, uh, the last month's report uh, showed that the income tax collections were down almost uh, half a billion dollars.
0: Because everyone, all the rich people are moving out of Minnesota or what gives?
1: Well, there's probably a lot of different pieces there that they would say, you know, uh, def- people deferring income uh, or they paid it early, but uh, also people leaving the state. Wow. Find some other places to go.
0: All right, so to be fair, you guys released your own tax plan today, meaning the GOP. What are you guys going to do for the poorest Minnesotans?
1: Our tax proposal with the money we have, we have no general fund money. So we're using the uh, various components of the conformity law, conforming to the federal government. And we have about $800 million in this first biennium to give relief to Minnesotans. So our tax bill gives relief to 100% of the citizens and uh, taxpayers in the state. 100% of the people will feel relief. It'll be the exact opposite of what the governor and the Democrats in the House are proposing.
0: Thank you to Chairman Chamberlain for that insight. Obviously, we'll keep you abreast about what's happening in Minnesota. I think they've got roughly about a month left in their legislative session. So as you know, a big conversation when the North Dakota legislative session has been about this Theodore Roosevelt Library Museum going up out in the door. Were they gonna get the funding or not? Doug Bergen's making a big, Governor Bergen, excuse me, has been making a big push for this project. Finally today, it passed both houses, the Senate and the House, to have the funding available from the state to now go out and raise some more money. So just by happenstance, by pure luck, The premier impersonator of Theodore Roosevelt happened to be in studio today, Joe Wiegand. We sat down and talked about uh, his take on what this new library could mean for him and the TR legacy, of course. And also, why should people go to Medora to go check out this brand-new possible library? Joe, otherwise known as Mr. President, welcome back to Point of View First Off. Huge news coming out of Bismarck, the fact that it sounds like there's going to be uh, over $100 million allocated now for a library to pay tribute to who you play as president, Theodore Roosevelt. Let's start with this. As Theodore Roosevelt, if you found out there was going to be over $100 million allocated to your library, you would say what?
2: Well, first, I'd be surprised that the number that you're quoting is about twice the amount that I thought was being considered by the state legislature. I thought they might allocate 50 million from state funds, and that and would be matched by about, about 100 exactly, million so 100 dollars from the total. private That's sector. That's what I'm saying, exactly. But that 100 million dollars, uh, potentially to be raised, and about 50 million of which uh, has been, in in a way, pledged in the private uh, uh, sector, it was pledged uh, with the condition that the state of North Dakota. Uh, representative of the people would put a little skin in the game, that they'd uh, at least come up with a, a matching amount there. The idea is it might take about $100 million to build a museum, but that you might really need to make sure that you've got the funds to then operate that museum. And as, that, as I understand today, part of what we celebrate is that we've now approved the legislation that's going to have a Theodore Roosevelt Presidential that's Library what Museum I want to know, in the door your North reaction to the
0: fact that it's taken a long time? It's been over 100 years for you, so now there's finally <laughs> a presidential library to honor you?
2: The promise of one. Uh, Of course, we all seen that sometimes you intend through legislation, through a good effort uh, to get something done. There's still this need to raise the uh, additional money from philanthropists and donors from throughout the country. I'm certain that it's going to get done. And so uh, the promise is thrilling. The reality, I think, will be really fulfilling as well. And, And when that's matched with What uh, is uh, available in Medora and the Medora musical, match that with Gateway to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. I think it's going to be a tremendous economic engine for Western North Dakota. But more importantly, it's going to help preserve and promote the legacy of one of our greatest presidents, a man who I truly believe is Mount Rushmore worthy and and Chris I'd say that even if I looked like Calvin Coolidge
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know from you though is obviously you spent you know some time in North Dakota but majority of your time outside of North Dakota your thoughts on the fact that your presidential library is going to be potentially let's assume this thing gets done in North Dakota not in New York or your home home state.
2: So uh, the home state of New York uh, 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 had an idea in Oyster Bay, Long Island, which is uh, the hometown of Theodore Roosevelt, Sagamore Hill, the home is a national historic site, beautifully administered by the National Park Service, gifted by the Roosevelt family to the federal government and to, to us as citizens but the attempt to build a museum there was done in 2006 2007 and when the economy collapsed in 2008 the sound that you heard was the sound of checkbooks (laughs) being closed And, and and as well there's so much going on in New York the official New York State Memorial to Theodore Roosevelt is the american museum of natural history's great lobby great hall there are these amazing statues and quotations and tapestries uh, roosevelt memorial hall below celebrates his life as a conservationist in part uh, uh, speaks to his time out here in north dakota what was then dakota territory but the original himself said here in fargo in 1910 i would have never been president but for my experiences in north dakota and as president in the white house told a friend from new mexico if by some strange magical charm you took away from me every memory of my lifetime and vouchsafed me but one, the one that I would choose to retain would be of my time as a cattle rancher along the little Missouri where the romance of my life began."
0: What was it about North Dakota that had that romance begin for you?
2: Uh, There's a few things. Uh, First, uh, Theodore Roosevelt had uh, uh, read about uh, pioneers and explorers and adventurers and he really felt and wrote that it was still the Wild West when he came. He came in 1883, uh, that's seven short years after the Battle of Little Bighorn or uh, Greasy Grass as the natives call it. Uh, there was still this sense that between buffalo hunters and cowpunchers and, and Indians that, that it was the West that he'd read about and, and heard about, uh, uh, the opportunity to, to join in that, that manly life of being a cattle rancher. Here's a a young man who was weak and sickly, grew up with asthma, uh, had gone to Harvard and and came from the the wealthy uh, uh, class of New York. And this is his chance to be with real men, men who worked hard, the, the labor of their hands and the sweat of their brows building this country. And it's here where he also first had the idea that he might like, in case of war, to lead a regiment of cavalry. Uh, and uh, that was the idea that he got from seeing these men how good they were in saddle and uh, how well they shot with their rifles he wanted to be a a, a a colonel of the cavalry and of course that dream came true in fact uh, uh, today I understand uh, uh, we're uh, uh, going to be uh, talking to folks here in North Dakota today April 24th is the anniversary of Spain declaring war on the United States and two days later we reciprocated and Teddy had his crowded hour on Kettle Hill, San Juan Heights, Santiago de Cuba,
0: 1898. We we as North Dakotans will take that as a compliment. They're going to call us real men coming from New York. So (laughs) so thank you for that. Um, So let's do this because there was some consternation about getting this thing funded and was it going to happen this legislative session. Uh, So paint the picture for us. You now are going to be the person that's going to create this experience of your own presidential library. What do you want people to see? What do you want them to be left with? from your legacy.
2: And this is something that I've done all throughout the country for the last 14 years, and we certainly love doing it in Medora every summer. And now we're going to have an opportunity to do it well through the year. And and you'd be surprised what winter tourism will be like. Uh, uh, there are 4.2 million visitors annually, on average, over the last seven years at Yellowstone National Park. The northern entrance is Roosevelt Arch. Teddy laid the cornerstone. On top, it says, for the benefit and enjoyment of the people. From the organic act creating that park, of those 4.2 million annual visitors 1.4 million visit in the off months through the late fall to early spring the opportunity to bring tourists from Yellowstone and from Mount Rushmore so first you've got to think if you build it will people come and yes they will not just in the summer
0: but why that's what I'm asking you what's gonna be in your library, museum that's going to siphon people off from Yellowstone or from Mount Rushmore. Because right now we don't even get a million people there. And you're suggesting, hey Chris, this thing's going to pull people. What about it's going to pull people to come up here, especially in the winter months? It's freezing here.
2: And the answer is the same thing that draws them to Mount Rushmore, where one of those iconic faces is Theodore Roosevelt. The others, of course, are great presidents. Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln. But the artist some Borglum says Theodore Roosevelt was up there for the Square Deal, the idea that our government wasn't just for the interests of Wall Street, but it was for every citizen across the country. Yellowstone, it was declared the first national park in 1872 under Grant. The American people don't really know that. They think Theodore Roosevelt founded right. our first national parks, and that he was the father and of the we'll national. I'll respect, Mr. President, just because right. of
0: TV time, yeah. What what is going? What's going to be in this library that's <laughs> going to make me go? Hey, I got to go to Medora when it's 20 below.
2: Two things primarily: the story of Theodore Roosevelt a man who overcame tragedy in his life. You know that when he came here in 1883, he was but 25 years old, though he had already risen to be the minority leader of the Republican party in the state house in New York. But he came after the death of his wife and mother on the same day, St. Valentine's Day, 1884. He came out to be a cattle rancher and he healed. And the story of Theodore Roosevelt, whether it's the inspirational story of him as a little boy overcoming his asthma that almost killed him by building his body and living the strenuous life, or the story of him overcoming personal tragedy, not only the death of wife and mother, but in his college years, the death of his 46-year-old father who was the light of his life. And also politically, uh, right after his ranching time, he ran for the mayorship of New York. 28 years old came in third out of three. If that story of overcoming those horrible challenges and tragedies and overcoming them to the sense of achieving the presidency and not just achieving the presidency to achieve a win, but to serve the interests of the American people. That's the inspiring story.
0: It's super inspiring, but to be respectful to the people in our state that had their um, weren't on the side of this library, let's say, okay, they right. might be at home going, well, I can go to the internet and read about that. I can grab a book and read about that. What, what's gonna change? Within going to this library, that's going to make you go, wow, I'm so glad I spent a day here.
2: Well, I think we spend a lot of time on the internet now, don't we? <laughs> uh, and, and a visit to a presidential museum, and I've been to all of them. It's something very different and very unique. Uh, and museums nowadays, you got everything from holograms to interactive. So you can do the high tech things and cool. you can search I'd like to that see sort that. of thing. I know, right? Uh, the technology's there, they do it. Uh, Lincoln comes to life as a hologram in Springfield, Illinois. But it's also then, it's the story of the national parks, it's the story of conservation. The design idea is that you visit the museum and as part of the museum experience, where it's proposed to be built, you actually leave the museum and you walk right out into the Badlands. Those beautiful Badlands that Theodore Roosevelt said, look the the way Edgar Allan Poe sounded. Theodore Roosevelt has fans all throughout this country and all throughout the world. His legacy is international, settling the Russo-Japanese War with the Nobel Peace Prize, hunting in Africa, exploring in Brazil where that story of the River of Doubt, now called the Rio Roosevelt, people all across this world are familiar with and admire and appreciate Theodore Roosevelt, his life and his legacy. And I'll tell you why they're going to come. Because I'm going to tell them to come. I'm going to go all around the country and tell them the place they've got to go. If they want to know Theodore Roosevelt, they've got to come and see the little Missouri and see the Badlands and understand why he said it's where the romance of his life began, where he really became a man.
0: It's great to have you here. It was like a godsend, the fact that this happened today. And you just happened to show up here. We booked you weeks ago. So it's great to have you here, Joe. And I'm delighted, Mr. President. Chris. We appreciate it very, very much. Fully. Always fun to get a chance to visit with Joe Weekend. Would love to know your thoughts. Did he sell you there? on? hey, this is going to be a great investment for North Dakota. Uh, $50 million from the state. They're going to go out and raise $100 million in private money as well. So please share your point of view with us. It's very easy to do. As you know, you can email us. You can text us. You can leave us a voicemail at the number at the bottom of your screen. When we come back, we're going to get to some of your points of view that are coming in. we love to hear from you. So stick around. Much more coming up. Welcome back to Point of View. we got a great show in store for you tomorrow night. We're going to have more about producer Josh going to this socialist event here in Fargo. And then them telling him, uh, you can't be here, Josh. <laughs> we don't want you here because Ruth Buffalo is one of us. Basically, just coming out and saying out loud, Ruth Buffalo, a North Dakota state legislator, is a socialist. All right, check out our Point of View with Chris Berg podcast. As you know, Point of View is a show that's fighting for the truth for you. Have a great evening.